Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, August 29th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And one dog. Hey, from Studio, I don't know what's going on here. I'm Scott Johnson. How are you? I'm great. How are you? We're all fine here. Uh, of course, filling in for Roger Chang, our producer, Anthony Lemos. How's it going, Amos? Hey, guys. Lee, we are going to talk about the hot <laughs> new trend in technology, smartwatches. I know it's not new, maybe not even that hot, but it is all over the IFA conference going on in Berlin. So let's start with a few other tech things you should know. Fossil subsidiary Skagen announced the Falster 2 smartwatch with health tracking features and a swim-proof case attached to a magnetic steel mesh strap. Contains a heart rate monitor, support for Google Fit, GPS, and Google Pay, a built-in NFC chip, and two programmable side buttons. Runs on the two-year-old Snapdragon Wear 2100 chip starting at $275 and shipping September 12th. Fancy. Uh, Also, Nintendo announced Dragalia. It's a, uh, oh, sorry, the full name is Dragalia Lost. It's a new RPG coming out September 27th in Japan, Hong Kong and Macau, the U.S. and Taiwan. Now, if you haven't heard of this, that's because it is Nintendo's first mobile game based on new characters ever. It looks very much like Final Fantasy to me with real-time combat, and the trailer is up for all to see. It will help if you speak Japanese, because uh, currently there is no uh, translated or localized version of the trailer, but it's coming and whether it'll be any good, good or not, we'll have to wait and see. Ah, um, Maji. Uh, Acer announced a new Swift 7 laptop with a 92% screen-to-body ratio, 10 millimeters thick, weighing less than 2.2 pounds, that Acer wants to call the world's thinnest laptop. Acer also announced a mixed-reality headset, the Ojo 500. It has modular parts, so the lens and head strap can be removed and cleaned. Uh, great for, you know, museums or arcades, attractions like that. Has a 100-degree field of view and a sound pipe for hearing audio without headphones, though if you opt for the hard strap, there's a soft and a hard version, the hard strap comes with built-in headphones. The OJO500 will be available in the U.S. and Europe in November starting at $399. Oh, Acer also showed off a ridiculous-slash-awesome gaming chair called the Predator Thronos. <laughs> Get it? Because it's a throne. Uh, It's one and a half meters tall, reclines 140 degrees, and will be released by the end of the year, they say. 
I want that chair so bad, but it's never going to happen. But I just want to put it out there that I want it. And that's it. Well, Christmas. Christmas, (laughs) you know, is right around the corner, Scott. All right. The airline Air Canada warned that around 20,000 users of its app may have had passport information stolen if they had entered it into the system. Credit card information was apparently encrypted, though. Air Canada detected unusual login activity between August 22nd and 24th and has since locked down all accounts. First of all, encrypt all the information that you don't want stolen. Second of all, passport information. That that can cause... Mm. That's tough. Identity theft problem. That would bother me more than credit card information. Possibly, because you can just cancel a credit card. Exactly. Hey, folks, let's uh, talk a little more about announcements from IFA. What's Dell got for us, Scott? Well, Dell uh, used IFA to announce something pretty big. They announced the Inspiron uh, Chromebook 14 2 in 1. And by 2 in 1, we'll get to that in a second. It has an all metal body. Uh, there was some confusion on TMS this morning about what metal. It appears to be aluminum. Uh, yeah, it's 14 not iron. Uh, yeah, it's not a iron. 14-inch uh, touchscreen, weighs less than four pounds, and comes with an active pen. That's the uh, part I'm interested in. It runs on a Core i3 processor, UHD 620 graphics, four gigabyte of RAM, and a 64 gig of storage. This is coming October 23rd for $599. You can also opt in for the 128 gig of storage. Pretty standard jump. Uh, Dell also updated its Inspiron 7,000 and 5,000 line of convertible laptops with fingerprint readers and Amazon voice support shipping October 2nd. All the new laptops, including the Chromebook, have a new thermal management system, which vents behind the hinges, uh, or with rather. Dell also updated the XPS and Vast, uh, excuse me, Vostral laptop lines and has a new 27-inch monitor with USB-C connectivity available right now for 550 Of all the things on here, it's the Chromebook and that monitor I'm the most interested in, but... It's great to see Dell doing cool announcements at this conference. Yeah, uh, that Chromebook is is a nice Chromebook. Usually, uh, Chromebooks come in two flavors: cheap and the one Google makes. Uh, so seeing Dell uh, come in with something at the top of the line is pretty interesting. Uh, like you say, it's got that all metal body, but it's still lightweight, uh, so it's strong. It's not plasticky, and that venting, which I know is also on the other Inspiron laptops. Is pretty cool because you don't know it's there. It basically looks like a ventless laptop, uh, but because it's behind the hinges, you, it's it's disguised. You'll, you'll never even see it. And uh, apparently from everybody who's looked at this, seems to work just fine. Yeah. I hope this is a model that um, will do the thing I hope I see from Chromebooks. There's a lot of talk at Google I.O. and in other places about these becoming devices that people could use to draw with, to create art with, to, uh, you know, do quick sketch up type work. And right now that space, at least portably is very much dominated by iPad pros and the pencils. And I'm always on the look for something out there that might start to compare with those. It, it'd be cool to see if this did. I have so many questions about Chrome OS's attempt to have the right software, uh, for that, for those, for people like me, so I don't have a whole lot of confidence that in that at the moment, but I really like Chromebooks. Generally speaking, we have one in the house here that everybody uses and it's great. So uh, this is great. And I don't think that price is too bad if you compare it to its closest uh, quality competitor, competitor, which would be the Google, uh, the Google offering. So I think this looks great for five ninety nine. And the other notable thing is uh, Amazon voice support showing up alongside Cortana, which is going to be happening more often. We're seeing it more often at IFA because of the partnership between Microsoft and Amazon. So it's not 
it's not a combative situation. It's that situation where the two can play off each other, uh, and and you can tell one to have the other do something, and and vice versa. So you're going to see Amazon, even though Google's name is all over IFA. It's it's ban all the banners say Google Assistant on them. Uh, Amazon is, is showing up in a lot of products. Let's move on to audio. Sonos released the $600 Sonos Amp, which is an upgrade to its Connect Amp, if anyone's familiar with that. The Sonos Amp connects to up to four speakers in the Sonos platform, including existing Sonos speakers. So if you already have a setup, that's probably music to your ears. It also has a line in for CD players, turntables, or other audio devices. Multiple amps can all talk to each other as well. Now, notable features that are new include improved power output, an HDMI ARC port. Tom, I know you'd be excited about that. And a subwoofer port. Sonos also announced plans to grant third-party apps and connected home interfaces greater control over Sonos devices, including preview phase audio notifications. So connected devices can send notifications and alerts to your Sonos speakers. And notably, this is not going through Amazon voice control. This is Sonos's own thing. You can use your Sonos uh, Amazon voice things if they're, if they're on the same network with this to then control things that way, but it doesn't have Amazon voice in it itself. The other Correct. thing that's interesting here is they are targeting this towards professional installers. You'll be able to buy this directly in December through the Sonos website, but they're not sending it to retail right away. Uh, they're marking it directly to the folks who come in and say, okay, let me help you design a system for your home. Because they think, you know, most consumers just want to pick up one or two Sonoses. If you're putting in a whole home installation, that's when you might need this. So they're not preventing you from buying if you're if you're a DIY person. You can, you can definitely get it right from Sonos, but it's not their priority, which I think is an interesting move for them. Uh, it certainly is tempting to get one of these things, too, because of the HDMI arc. Uh, that simplifies a lot of things. And being able to add your own speakers. I mean, the only reason I'm probably not going to run right out and try to get one of these is I, I, I have 10 ears, uh, so I, I don't have really high-quality speakers to hook up to this. But if you do, this is a great way to move Sonos into your life uh, in a way that doesn't sacrifice the audio quality. Yeah, I agree. I like the, I've always liked what Sonos is doing. I feel like if they would have come to me 12 years ago, I would have been all over everything they do. I'm so earbuds, uh, Bluetooth, and small screens in my life now that I, I don't worry as much about home audio and it kind of bums me out because that's mm-hmm. not, that's not the guy I knew a, ten, a decade ago. So I don't know. I feel like I, I, I missed the boat by not caring now, and it's too bad because I think this stuff's super cool. I just, I just can't, I couldn't justify it. Well, as somebody who uses Sonos speakers, I have several in my house, and yeah, I, you know, I, I love, I love the interface. Although their app could be better, but that's a story for another day. I love the idea of Sonos makes its own sub, which I actually have been planning on buying, but the fact that there's a subwoofer port for the sub that I actually already have. Okay. If you're kind of on the fence and something's mm, it's a $600 you know, investment, but you have a lot of gear and this will allow your existing gear to hook up to your Sonos system that more easily. That's pretty attractive. And I, I think it just shows that Sonos is, is, doing what they need to do to stay relevant. A lot of people thought when smart speakers started to come along, well, maybe Sonos is over. Uh, they're definitely not. 
and they're they're doing a, a lot of the things to differentiate themselves, which are which are cool. One of the things we like to do on this show is alert you to possible coming trends, uh, things that'll make you feel smarter in the room in the future when you're like, oh, yeah, I knew about that a while ago. Uh, there's a company called Definity that wants to create decentralized computing resources. Uh, Cloud 3.0 is what they call it, but they're basically using blockchain tech to compete with companies like Amazon Web Services and Salesforce. This isn't cryptocurrency. Uh, This isn't even the IBM style of blockchain for fintech or shipping. This is them doing what I've imagined could happen for a long time, which is trying to create a decentralized cloud, which means you don't have a data center anymore, but it's still reliable and it's still secure. Definity is not the first one to attempt this, but they are getting the attention of the funders. They got $102 million from Andreessen Horowitz, well, in part from Andreessen Horowitz on Wednesday, uh, and they are being smart about it. They're not just out there trying to drum up buzzwords uh, or, or do crazy demos. They're going to academic organizations. They're going to startups and saying, okay, we know that the big enterprises aren't going to trust us out of the gate. We want to prove ourselves with you guys. And then hopefully we'll be able to scale up to have a world computer that is reliable, secure, and cheaper than AWS, Google, et cetera. Mm. You talk about this a lot on the show, and I know you know I talked about it a bunch, but blockchain tech type technologies – becoming a more a part of our everyday mainstream functionality for lack of a better way of saying that just seems like it's inevitable. Um, and, and, and I always use, uh, I go back to um, a BitTorrent sometimes because BitTorrent, you know, has all these amazing uses outside of what people think of it as, which is a piracy method, but really it's ended up powering a whole lot of ways of getting files back and forth. This feels like that's happening. Like I'm really stoked to hear about this. No, I don't, I still don't fully understand it. I can't really get my head around it. I'll I'll just keep coming on Wednesdays until I do. But I'm excited about this idea because it seems like, you know, we can get it out of the realm of it's just Bitcoin. It's just, you know, everybody's opinions about what what this stuff means when you hear the word blockchain and start to see it in everyday practical business and and, and, and Definity is not just using blockchain. Blockchain is one of the things they're using. They're using a whole suite of open source software as well uh, to create a decentralized system. And that, that is important to keep in mind. I agree. Facebook, watch. Not, nothing to do with wearables, you guys. Launched in the U.S. a year ago and is now launching in more countries. Facebook also introduced ad breaks to more publishers that can be pre-roll, mid-roll, or images below the video. Facebook also launched Creator Studio for users to manage their content across Facebook and Instagram. Of course, Instagram owned by Facebook. Watch is now coming to UK, Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand with 21 more countries next month with more to follow that. I mean, does anybody know no. what Facebook Watch is best for yet? I mean, no, I, certainly I, no. not. They, they have users. They have people watching it. So it's obviously good for something. Uh, right here in the U.S., they've got what fifty-five million streams or something like that. Like, it's not unpopular, uh, and obviously they feel like it's worth it to to start selling it more and and spreading it around. But um, although you know, and uh, without giving any names away, I know some folks who were uh, soft launch partners of mm-hmm. Facebook Watch in the U.S. I don't know within the last year, and they're all sort of confused as to what it is and what Facebook wants from it. So. I think it's safe to say that the company is still soft launching this, you know, it, whatever the worldwide rollout is. I, I, I don't, 
I don't think anybody knows more about what Facebook is looking to do than we do. 50 million monthly viewers uh, viewing up by 14 times since the beginning of the year. That's not bad. But if you look at the overall numbers, Facebook is a 2 billion user enterprise. Mm. That's a tiny, tiny drop. And Very I, small I don't percentage, it. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, just considering how big it overall is. So, so maybe that's still okay. You don't ignore those numbers, even though percentage-wise they're lower. And, and obviously they're not. They're pushing to make this bigger. But um, I don't know. It just seems like I haven't heard anybody talking about it. And you hear about every little trend, every little change on Facebook. I hear somebody say something about it. You just don't hear people talking about why. Well, and I, you know, I know that Facebook is interested in figuring out, okay, how do we make people's timelines less crowded? How do we make them more relevant? Focus on friends, focus on relationships, maybe put the video stuff in its own area and teach people to go there. I'm not sure Facebook is totally dedicated to doing that yet because nobody really knows, well, oh, okay, if I'm not looking at my timeline, where am I going to watch all this video? Yeah, right. Agreed. All right. Well, let's talk about Google announcing the redesigned Wear OS 1.6, which highlights notifications and Google Fit information. Notifications live in a single panel. Users can scroll through and swipe horizontally to dismiss. Google Assistant is now a left swipe from the watch face and fit to the right. Google Streams proactive tab is now to the left of the home screen. And the company will begin rolling out to any watch with Android Wear 2.0 or newer over the next month. So some of this stuff is just really streamlining notifications. And, and a lot of the articles that I read about it today compared it to Android as a phone. They're saying they're making the watch, Wear OS, work more like a phone uh, as far as notifications, which, I mean, honestly, I don't know about y'all, but that seems to be one of the major reasons people wear watches is notifications. There, there's health monitoring aspects and fitness monitoring aspects and Google Fit being front and center makes sense. We talked about the redesign to the Google Fit information that's being delivered both to iOS and Android uh, earlier on the show, uh, previously on the show. So it makes sense that they would want to really, really redesign those particular things since those are the major use cases. Yeah, it feels like Apple is uh, uh, kind of about that also. Like It seems like I, I can't speak to what they're doing with whatever Series 4 might be. Um, but even the three, the way they positioned it was much less about the elegant choice for watch wearers everywhere and the software and the stuff you can have on there and apps. They seem to have backed away from that and said, hey, you can swim with it. It's waterproof. It's a, a major fitness device. And it's huge notifications thing. And if you're using your iPhone, by gosh, you're going to use your watch. And guess Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. 
Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. That's what basically with my usage of this uh, watch over the year I've had it or whatever, that's exactly what I'm using it for. I use it for fitness tracking and I use it for notifications and I control podcasts through it. And if there's music playing, I can hit play on it, turn the volume up and down with the knob. Like it's a phone accessory that does those things really well. And I think it makes sense that Google would also lean into that. And I'm, I, for one, I'm very happy about it. I also just like that they have an aesthetic that lets you make a round watch. I'm totally into that. I think that looks really cool. That is part of the design challenge for Android. And, and I, I saw some people remarking on the fact that because Apple has a square design and that's it, it is easier for them to do a lot of these things because Android has, Wear OS, I should say, has to work on both round and square formats. Yeah, but in one way or the other, I think that this is just, this is, of course, they're going to lean in this way. This is why people buy them. I think this is the natural thing uh, that we probably should have seen coming because we, who knows? Wearables are new still, sort of. We don't know what's good for what. And as it turns out, they're not great for individual standalone apps. You'd rather just use your phone. It's faster. But they're great for, oh, my mom's calling. What does she need? Hey, I'll do a quick yeah. speaker thing on my thing or whatever. And it's great to see that stuff settle down. So who knows? Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. It's a quick way to stay smart and up to date. All right. Uh, we're not done with the watch announcements. Casio announced the ProTech WSD F30 Wear OS smartwatch. It's mil standard 810 certified, water resistant up to 50 meters. There's a new 1.2 inch 390 by 390 pixel color OLED display and a second monochrome display that shows things like atmospheric altitude and compass bearing. Has a more flexible band than the previous model. All the, the bells and whistles, Bluetooth 4.1 LE, Wi-Fi, wireless charging, GPS, a barometer, an accelerometer, a gyrometer, a compass, a sensor coming in orange, blue, and black when it ships starting January 2019. Now... I didn't forget Top Stories was over and just kept kept doing it. Uh, Diesel also has a new watch out. It has a neon face, and it's big. This is all pointing to the fact that smartwatch announcements are coming fast and furious at IFA. Uh, IFA is the big tech conference of the fall, sort of the opposite CES over in Europe. Back in March, we reported that IDC estimated worldwide shipments of smartwatches and activity trackers grew 7.7% in Q4 and 10% overall in 2017. Shipments have hit 115.4 million units overall. So with the dominance of smartwatch announcements coming out of IFA and this previous shipping data that we've been talking about, come on, y'all. Smartwatches are for real, right? Like, this is a real product category. It's not... Uh, Scott, are, do you wear a smartwatch every day? Yeah, yeah one right here. Um, it's the Series 3 uh, Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of an iPhone guy, so it made sense for me. 
Sure. Uh, I have from afar kind of admired aesthetically anyway what's been going on with Google Wear, but never really made the jump. I Before this, I had a Fitbit, and it did a fine job of doing fitness tracking, but it was pretty lackluster when it came to, you know, notification management and that sort of stuff. And it's gotten to the point now where I really do feel weird if I don't have it. I thought I would probably be one of those that would get it. I would have the experience of it and then go, meh, it's not really. I mean, I'm still, I'm not even saying it's worth the money yet. Like, I'm still not sure it's worth the cash you shell out for these things Yeah. uh, for what it does. But for what it does, I've gotten used to it to the point where I would much prefer to have this on than not when it comes to receiving texts, getting calls that I didn't know about, um, other apps sending notifications uh, to the to the watch. So my experience has been very strong and probably means I'm in for the long haul as to, well, maybe not Apple in specific, but what the wearable and smartwatch market looks like moving forward. Like, I, I think I'm in. If you'd asked me a year and a half ago, I think I was not in. So I guess proof's in the pudding. They, it is a growing uh, piece of the market from all indicators. And all of these announcements seem to lean toward, you know, the idea that many are getting in. And they all look like really interesting opportunities for a lot of different kinds of companies. So, yeah, to answer your question in a more simple way, I can't, I can't quite believe it, but I really like my smartwatch. I wish they were not called smartwatches. Um, sort of in the same way I wish that they were not called smartphones because they are little computers who do one thing that's a legacy thing that we're all used to, but actually that's not really what it's about. You're not wearing your smartwatch because you want to tell the time all the time, right? That's, <laughs> no, I've that's got just, a phone for that. Really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, the, that's the reason that I don't have one. It's not only because I'm like, well, it's not really a watch. It's so many other things. I get the idea that it's very helpful and, and it, notifications are great. I want fewer notifications in my life. Um, I have an actual watch, a dumb watch, that I never wear because, again, the phone is never far away from me. Some people leave their phones at home. That's never happened to me. Won't happen. You know, it's like not wearing underwear. I will always have my phone with me. Right, exactly. So in that sense, I'm like, oh, this just, I don't know. It 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 uh, fills me with a little bit of notification stress, I guess. Well, here's the thing. I'll, let me answer to that specifically, and, and Tom may have experience with this as well. Um, I, I I agree with you. Less notifications, less being on all the time. Like that's probably a good thing, and that's what I thought. I was maybe this was going to be a mistake for that, but it actually ended up being more in the direction you're talking about. And it surprised me that I would much rather go quick glance at the watch and go, well, that's someone I have to call right away or someone I can talk to later and tap a quick button than it was to dig into my pocket and pull my phone out and say, who's this? Oh my gosh. Should I answer it? Like that was more stressful than just this quick little blip on my watch. Mm -hmm. So I totally get what you're saying. I just ended up, I ended up having, I feel like I'm getting, not that I'm getting less notifications, but I'm having a more, seamless sort of experience with my existing notifications where I can just go, Oh, someone's there. Do I take it or not move on? I don't have to sit there and lose a lot of brain power or spend time digging my phone out. It seems small and dumb, but it really yeah. has made a difference and made it less stressful for me. Because when, when yeah. you, when you get a notification on your watch and dismiss it, it no longer shows up on my phone. So when I go to my phone, 
I don't. I'm not barraged with like, oh my god, all these notifications. And the other thing is. I, I, by default, say no when a new app asks for notifications. I only turn on notifications that I yeah. am sure no I want to see. And mm-hmm. I'm even stricter on what I want to see on my watch because you can say, show it on the phone, but don't notify me on the watch. Uh, so part of it is just and, – and it's not convenient to have to do this, but riding herd on that and, and, and curating where, what notifications show up. And then, then I, I agree with Scott. It, it's actually better to get it on your watch because eh, it's right there. Yeah, but it's the fun. That's the weird thing about it. I didn't, uh, I didn't predict that. In fact, I thought it was going to be a bit of a hellhole, and I felt like I was doing it for science or for <laughs> like I talk about it on shows. You know? right, right. Like, well, the, the first yeah. Apple Watch Take I tried, one for the team. I right. used my Apple Watch for thirty days, and then I gave it to Jenny Josephson to use for thirty days, and then we gave it away at Nerdtacular. I was like, don't need it. Did not help me at all. I and the the second time when I tried the Series Three. Uh, things had changed. I, I don't know if my behavior had changed or what, but I, I definitely use it. And the fitness tracking in particular is what, what keeps me invested in it. Yeah. One thing that they keep getting better with that I think is going to matter a lot to people, they're, they're, you know, how it looks and that it's nice and that you can get new bands for it and that it functions and charges and all that stuff is there and we're all happy that they just get thinner and cooler and whatever. But uh, the one thing I'm counting on or really hoping for is that the watch will continue to get faster because I look at somebody series one or two uh, or older Android wear watches or even old Fitbits and they've been updated a number of times and they're slow and sloggy and laggy and weird and they don't feel like finished polished products. I feel like we're finally getting to the place where that's a little bit more seamless and even that's not perfect yet, but that's a piece of this I look forward to. Like, I don't know what series four is, um, but whatever it is, my guess is it'll be faster because they always tend to, you know, that's usually part of the upgrade. And the better they get at that, the more I think regular old folks like us will like and use their watches. Smarter otherwise. We <laughs> should come up with a new name for them for Sarah. Yeah, I like that. I like Sarah, you're right about yeah, that. Like what is it? Wrist yeah. PCs. You think we ever call our phone? Do you think there'll be a day where we quit calling them phones and we call wrist them computers? I don't know. I think phone is going to be I mean, like album. I, you know, I, I kind of like tried to launch this crusade of like smartphone. It's not a smartphone. It's a little computer. Let's all get on board. And it's like, well, I, I gave that up. Smartwatch makes sense because, you know, it's the form factor, right? Why not smart bracelet? Smart jewelry? Smart, mm. I don't know. Does yeah. it have to be smart? Some folks don't want to wear jewelry, but they're fine with a watch. Yeah, exactly. So know. wristbands, smart bands. Yeah. I say as long as it's not tethered to my phone as much as possible, I'll I'll get there eventually. I'm just right. an old person. Right. I like it. Hey, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit, Old and Young. We'll take you all. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. Join us there at facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Oh, the mailbag is open. What's in there? Sure is. Rich in Chapel Hill loved our music-themed roundtable show. So glad to hear that Rich and noticed a change in his own habits 
when he bought a new car this year. We were talking about, you know, based on what a car can play, how do you listen to music or audio in your car? Rich says, up until now, I usually either listen to the radio or CD, or sometimes I'd plug in my phone through the nostalgia port into my ultra nostalgia port. That's my cassette player, which I had to use to listen to my phone. But then last year I got a new phone. I didn't have the headphone jack because I had a new car as well. And the dongle kind of worked, but not that well. I I had a janky setup. Sometimes I had to reboot... That was a pain. So I would just listen to the radio a lot. So still, I was stuck in 2002 media world. Thanks, Google. So when you were talking about CDs, we were talking about the fact that CDs are, you know, going going the way to the dodo. Rich says, I had that, duh, the Death Star plans are an R2-D2 moment. Some of us have had and realized that, you know what? My car doesn't have a CD player. Android Auto's integration is so easy. It dominates my listening choices. When I drive now, I plug in my phone, picks up where I left off. Not perfect. Sometimes it crashes. Sometimes it doesn't recognize the phone. But about 95% of the time, that's a number that Rich said he created out of a whole cloth, it just works. And that's all I need. So thanks again, Google. Rich says, I feel a little bad about not listening to as much radio as I used to. But if I switch over to radio, it becomes a bit of a hassle on the phone. So I find myself not doing it unless I absolutely have to. On the other hand, I've discovered really fun podcasts to fill the void. CDs, I'm seriously thinking about getting rid of mine because there's nowhere to put them. Yeah, we got rid of ours. Well, thank you, Rich. Appreciate the email. Thanks also to Scott Johnson for being with us this fine Wednesday. Scott, what's been going on with you since we saw you, oh, seven short days ago? Well, it feels like a whole lot of the same, but uh, <laughs> probably because it is and has been. But, hey, I'm looking forward to next week because it's very different. Tom Merritt will be here in what? the studio. Yep. Uh, there'll be a live DTNS from here. Maybe a couple. I forget how long you're here. Just Two one. Of them? one. There'll be one from here. There'll be a current <laughs> geek from here. That's what I'm thinking of. And Tom and I are going to go like have lunches together and hang out. And uh, I'm totally stoked about it. So looking forward to that very much uh, in a, a complete shakeup of my week. It'll be great. Like a whole new world here. It's going to be fantastic. But anyway, if you want to find out what I'm doing and what's going on in my world, by gum, you can go to frogpants.com. All the podcasts and art and everything you might want to check out is there. And as usual, if you want to hear dumb stuff I say on the Internet, Twitter's a great place for it. Twitter.com slash Scott Johnson. We need your support on Patreon if you're willing to support us because it helps us make more shows. We're spinning off DTNS Labs Games into its own show, the monthly video game briefing. Of course, patrons will still get it in their feeds the way they do now, but it'll have its own independent public feed as well. Uh, so if you're willing to support the show because you want better shows, head to patreon.com slash DTNS. Also, don't forget, no one should have to spend New Year's Eve alone. I know it's a little early to be thinking of New Year's Eve, but make your plans now. The last two years, Diamond Club has presented a 27-hour live New Year's Eve streamathon to make sure that nobody has to be alone. From Frog Pants' very own Scott Johnson to Brian Ibbett to contender co-creator John Teasdale and more, uh, featuring the first live music appearance of Christy Cates. This year, they're working to raise $5,000 for the Children's Miracle Network through extralife.org. So head to bit.ly slash streamathon2018 to find out more. 
Hey, if you want to get a hold of us, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're also live if you can join us Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We shall be back tomorrow to talk about microchipped cactuses or cacti with Aaron Carson from or from CNET.com. Talk to you then. show is part of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program (laughs) hi this is matt and sean from two black guys with good credit if you own or operate a business whether it's a local operation or a global corporation partnering with bank of america could be your smartest move By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.